Hello, hello, Vegan Radio. Vegan Radio, number 102. Special guest on number 102. She's not number one or two. She's number <laughs> one. <laughs> PETA co-founder Ingrid Newkirk. Ingrid Newkirk. It's the big re- Vegan Radio scoop of the year so far. Derek's got all the <laughs> exclusive backstage VIP access at events here in New York City, so he caught up with Ingrid at... Um, the Naked Truth event here yep, in New at York. NYU, and uh, during the event, the co-founders of Jiva Mukti Yoga, David Life and Sharon Gannon, were honored with an award, the Compassionate Action Award, I believe. And, <laughs> and um, so, because I am the web manager of the Jiva Mukti Yoga website, I got to go to this event for free, and also got to set up an interview with Ingrid. And, and uh, so now you all get to benefit from that. Yes. And here. I like to pan it, pass the benefits along. Yes. He's a good sharer. Because I'm a friend with the benefits. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so. So in this interview, we get to hear Ingrid talk about the uh, Never Be Silent campaign that PETA is uh, pushing now. And, and stories about animals. And always, because that's what. Life is about when yeah. you <laughs> Life is about <laughs> animal stories. Animal stories. That's why we're all here. <laughs> That's why I'm here. <laughs> and um, oh, and then we. I, I also asked her. I gathered up the courage to ask a controversial question about the euthanasia, uh, euthanizing, not euthanasia. <laughs> the Cut. The euthanasia. About the euthanizing of cats and dogs that PETA has been involved in and has caused them much controversy. They always get guff. They get guff from everyone. Yeah, it's a, it's always upsetting to me when people instantly say, oh, PETA, they euthanize. It, it always makes me go, but they also save yeah. millions of lives. So... So bite me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right, what well, have you done? <laughs> what have you done lately? Right. Oh, you eat meat? Awesome. Get a life. Get. <laughs> Someone needs an angry Get a life. Yo- angry vegan yoga class. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let's just go to this interview and then we'll we'll wrap it up Test. at the end. All right, enjoy. All right, I'm here with Ingrid Newkirk at uh, the New York University Kimmel Center. And you just gave a presentation. Um, what is the name of the campaign that you're promoting now? We are promoting Never Be Silent. Be the animal's voice. They have one. We often don't know what they're saying. But we need to speak so that other people can understand that they need our help. And it seems like you've been doing this all along for a long time. Is there a new epiphany for you with this? Or is this just a good way to... Um, get the message out to people I get new epiphanies every week I think something happens Um, it occurred to me recently that we needed to do Never Be Silent because there are so many new studies that are in the papers and on the news about how animals we're learning all the different communications systems animals have Uh, we used to just not think that they could communicate and now we know you know parrots have unique names for their kids and elephants rumble at frequencies we can't hear, and rhinos have a breathing language, and fish point with their mouths. I mean, we learn all this 
very much about animals. And it struck me that we need to use our voices because we're just learning that their voices have been ignored. Great. One of this, that was one of my favorite parts of the talk was when you were describing all the different stories about animals. Um, Could you tell, tell our listeners about the Peter Gabriel story you were talking about? This is fascinating. You know, Peter Gabriel says he's always communicated uh, with people all over the world whose languages he doesn't speak and they don't speak his through music, the international music uh, language of music. And so recently uh, what he did is he gave a keyboard to one of the great apes, a bonobo. Bonobos are like all animals. They're smart, intelligent, they think about things, and they like many animals, from songbirds to dolphins who whistle, bonobos like enjoy sounds, music. So he gave this keyboard to the bonobo, and within minutes, he says the bonobo had actually composed a tune that is discernible as a tune. It has melody, it has, uh, it, it's interesting, it, it goes from one point to another. You can understand that it's, it's a composition. And so he is hoping that one day we will have an interspecies internet where we'll be able to use instrumentation that uh, various uh, animals who perhaps don't have fingers or hands but who have other ways of using those instruments can talk to us, if you will, uh, and we to them by using music. It'd be amazing. It, it brings to mind the whales and their song and how, how amazing it would be just to be able to have some kind of communication playing them music and having them respond or something like that (laughs) it's like like et and it's funny too because you know people say well we go into space we're looking for intelligent life in the universe intelligent life is all around us it's on our plate sometimes i'm afraid to say it's you know it's on people's backs it's in being, being used in laboratories to be tested all animals are smart they're intelligent and tonight i was able to show some video clips of amusing things animals do that they know are amusing and play that animals engage in and they know they're playing which is very sophisticated and even deceits and thefts that (laughs) animals make like the seagull who went into the store and stole the bag of Cheetos and knew exactly what he was doing. (laughs) I wonder if he's tried other types of chips or he always gets Cheetos. I don't know that he answered. I know that he does this frequently because someone was able to set up a camera and knew that he knew the time that it was best to go into the store and he would not be detected. And he did it with great, I won't say sleight of hand because that wouldn't be right for a seagull, but yes, he was very clever. <laughs> I was just watching a seagull the other day at Coney Island carrying a piece of pizza and taking it off and then all the other seagulls came around and were trying to get it and another, another seagull... When he let his guard down, swooped down and grabbed the pizza and took off to another section. It's just so funny. I go to India and you see so many children who are begging on the streets and they have so little. And you see their mothers or fathers living on a a piece of matting on a bridge and they only have what's the clothes that's on their back. Sometimes they can't afford uh, every part of the clothing and they're just wrapping a piece of cloth around themselves. And some people are good to them, and some people are very rude to them. And I'm, I always think of that when I see seagulls or starlings or pigeons. They come up to someone who has a full plate of food or a big sandwich or whatever they have, and they're looking, like those children look, at that sandwich or that food because they're hungry. 
and they can't go into Chipotle and order a bean burrito. You know, they are, they're, they're stuck and we've made everything concrete. So we've taken away the trees and the streams and everything where their food would be. And some people are so mean to them. They chase yeah. them off or they throw something at them. And here they're just like those children who are saying, I'm hungry too. Will you share? Will you share? Care and share. That would be great. Um, so I'm here partly because of Jiva Mukti Yoga today. And my teachers, Sharon and David, who founded Jiva Mukti, got an award today. Um, could you just say a little about what their what the relationship you have with them and and why they earned that reward <laughs> oh if anybody ever deserved it they do i think they are not only enlightened individuals but they don't keep it to themselves and that that's that's the most wonderful thing they give it as a gift uh, to enlighten other people and they make sure that unlike so many things you see that people don't just come to yoga to look better or to get their physical form in shape. But they, when they come to Jiva Mukti, Sharon and David make sure that everyone hears the primary lesson, which is to get your spiritual self in order and to be kind, to be compassionate, to not do harm needlessly. And that's not much to ask, but it's a lesson that's forgotten in today's world. All the hustle and bustle just sets it aside. And yet David and Sharon just instill that in their pupils and their pupils really are all over the world doing good and no finer testament to them could be uh, mentioned than the fact that they have inspired so many people to be decent and to be feeling and to recognize sentience and to be part of the whole not think of themselves as elite or special but as part of this whole and look out for the others who are perhaps not as fortunate as we are. Yeah, it's really a testament to the power of what they're doing that that Jiva Mukti Yoga has spread around the world. And even though some, I hear some people say when you bring up Jiva Mukti, oh, that's the yoga that makes you go vegan or something. And and you know it, and and maybe a derogatory way or something. Some people might avoid Jiva Mukti Yoga because they don't want to go to a class and hear. Us talking about veganism, but but it really does catch on, and it, it kind of proves the point that speaking up as your campaign is uh, encouraging is is really does work even when you don't think it will sometimes. Um, I wanted to ask you one question that you answered in the Q and A part because it comes up a lot in in the animal rights world. Um, PETA is involved in euthanizing cats and dogs. And often when, uh, when we're trying to advocate for animals, the people on the, you know, the comment sections of blogs and things will start saying, well, PETA does this. And um, could you just explain the, the rationale behind that? And you, you gave a very powerful answer. I wish I'd just recorded that at the, during the Q&A so I wouldn't have to ask you again. But uh, I think it would be really helpful to those of us who don't know as much about how you got involved and why that is. Nobody wants to euthanize. I mean, unless um, they don't care about animals, and we care deeply. I, I think it's just a moment's thought would bring someone to the conclusion that if Peter euthanizes, then there must be a compassionate reason for it. It would be wonderful if 
there were enough homes to go around, if every animal was healthy and happy and young and socialized and so on, uh, it would make life a lot easier for them and for us because we take in the sorriest of animals. And that's what our door is open for. We call ourselves the shelter of last resort, which means that unlike places that turn away the sick and the disabled and the elderly and the aggressive and so on, or the injured, we take those animals in. And most of those animals will be put down. They'll be euthanized. We'll hold them in our arms. We'll give them perhaps uh, a, a meal beforehand. We'll love them. We'll, we'll, we'll be so loving to them in their final moments. But we will inject them and we will take them away from a world that they're ready to leave. Um, we do that because the no-kill shelters, and many of them are trying their best, but the no-kill shelters can't take in. Once you declare that you will no longer euthanize, you cannot take in all the animals who come to your door. So they say no if an animal is not adoptable. And so the unadoptable animals come to us. If someone comes to our door with an adoptable animal, or one with the potential to be adopted, then we will, take, we will say, no, don't, don't come here. Here is a list of things you can do to place that animal. We will help you try to place that animal. We will spay that animal for nothing for you. We will give you, uh, you know, medicine we will, for fleas and ticks. We'll do whatever we can. Or we'll help you find a home for that animal if we possibly can. Or we'll refer you to a big open admission shelter. But we will take in the ones no one else will take in even if that means they have to go down, and often it does. These are animals who come off a chain, and they've been on a chain for maybe eight years, and they're racked with mange, they have heartworm, they're aggressive, they've never been socialized, they've never been in a house, they may be ancient, they may be hit by a car, they may have some horrid disease, and, and I took an animal, a dog, in, uh, just a few months ago when I was out on the field, and this dog had been for 11 years in a pen and had gone blind and was afraid of the human touch and had not been able to see anything for 11 years while he'd been in that pen. And we took him out and he was just, he shook all over. He was so petrified to leave his dark hole in the backyard. Who is going to adopt that dog when there are fluffy, beautiful, young, housebroken animals in want of a home? who are sitting in the animal shelters desperate for a home. They don't have to be put through anything. This old man um, went to the vet and the vet said, you know, it, it's a kindness to let him go. Those are the kinds of animals we take in and we love them with all our hearts. But you can only have a no-kill nation when you have a no-breeding nation. And that's why we run spay clinics and why we advocate for spay and why we get celebrities to advocate spay. And we tell people, never go to the dog breeder. Never go to the pet shop. Adopt, adopt. And if you adopt one, try to adopt two. <laughs> because if you have the time and the love and the patience and the money for veterinary care, take the two and they'll keep each other company while you're at work or school or whatever you're doing. And that's a kindness. But um, no, when Peter euthanizes, is because it's a compassionate thing to do and everyone should understand that and look at the pictures on the website which will show you what uh, the condition of the animals we take in is.
All right. <laughs> well, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but let's not end on a total downer note. Um, could you tell us what gives you hope? Maybe a, a story or, or something that's going on with Peter right now that is really inspirational for our listeners? Oh, there are so many, and there are victories every week, which all give me hope. But reading our emails, getting our phone calls, uh, there are so many people doing things. That's what gives me hope. But I, I think the fact that people are speaking up is the greatest thing in the world. And I, I was um, on a beach uh, some years ago, and I now hear these kinds of stories all the time. And there was a little boy who had caught a crab or a fish um, or a selection of crabs and fishes and what have you and was collecting them in a bucket. And um, the person who was with me said, um, I'll go up. Uh, you stay here. I'll go up and ask him to let them go. And um, I said, no, I'll go because, uh, you know, they'll, it's a little boy and this, the father may get angry and so on. Um, so as I went up, uh, the father came over, and I said, we're, uh, we're just talking to your son about releasing these little animals so they can have their lives. And he said, oh, that's a good idea, and he helped, <laughs> and we all did it together. And I hear those stories now that that's not unusual. If people will just make the move, then they'll find there are so many other people who support them. Uh, you've got friends everywhere. Animals have friends everywhere. We just need to bring them out of the crowd and empower them to take action for animals. People will join you. And, and that's what I hear every day from people saying, I had no idea in my town someone else cared. And then I spoke up and they came out of the woodwork. So speak up even if your voice is shaky. <laughs> oh, yes. It doesn't matter if your knees knock and your voice shakes. <laughs> um, the animals can't do it. You can. And freedom of speech is a wonderful thing. Well, thank you so much. It's uh, so great. After I've been vegan 17 years, and I've, I was just thinking, I've. It's crazy that I've never met you yet, and so I'm. <laughs> I'm really glad to be here, and you're an inspiration to so many people. Thank you. Well, David and Sharon and Jiva Mukti and you and everybody who cares is an inspiration to me. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yay! So that was my Ingrid Newkirk. Interview. What a lucky guy you are. It's the pinnacle of my interviewing career, I believe, <laughs> so far. Super jelly, I wasn't there, but I'm so happy that you shared <laughs> it with Super jelly, us. wow. <laughs> who, who is, who's your dream interview? My dream who, interview? Who would you need to get on the show? Oh, man, that's a really tough question. But I guess right now it would be, like, Howard Lyman. Howard Lyman? Yeah. He was our very first show. Oh, Vegan radio that was before number my one. Time. Yeah, it was. It was before we really knew. I mean, if anyone wants to go back and listen to it, it's pretty funny. Um, we had really. Uh, that was our first podcast, our first radio broadcast, and we didn't know exactly what we were doing. And it was very. We kind of tried to pre-record. Now we're professionals. We tried to pre-record everything really, um, you know, disciplined and and very produced. But then we grew to realize that that wasn't really our personality. <laughs> it's not our style here at Vegan Radio. <laughs> so it got looser and looser. But it was a good interview because it was hard lineman and yeah. he's just like got a silver tongue. So you think you've now had your dream interview with Ingrid? This uh, I, don't, I don't know that Ingrid was my dream interview. It was just, uh, it was pretty special though. I, I think like, you know, I'm not always, 
uh, diehard fan of PETA. I've never, like, you know, some stuff they do uh, is a little questionable to me. And even the youth euthanizing of cats and dogs, I w I'm not totally on board that that's what they should be doing. I think maybe it hurts their credibility a little with people who don't understand the issues as deeply as we do. But but I respect her for, you know, she's very, you know, work. she for her hard work and for her honesty and for following her vision. You know, she, PETA, you know, they have their critics within and without of the animal rights movement, but they do what they do and they don't apologize, you know, and I, I respect that. And obviously they've, you know, I've talked to many people who have been veganized by a PETA campaign. Same. So you Same. can't say that they're, they haven't they're made effective. a huge impact. Yeah. yeah, they're very effective at what they do. <clears throat> and we're lucky to be sharing their message. And Yeah. So, but my dream interview, let's see, ah, geez. You know who I, well, I love Tom York of Radiohead. I'd love to, I'd love to really just like, you know, he's vegan and I, I don't know, I haven't heard him talk about veganism a lot. So that would be pretty interesting to hear what his actual reasons and um, philosophy, you know, the, the Radiohead songs, you listen to them and you can like drive so many different meanings out of them, I think. And, um, but the emotional, the way they make me feel emotionally is really, you know, I really connect with a lot of their music on an emotional level, and I feel like I know exactly what he's saying, but, but you know, it's all my projection onto it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what songwriting is about. That's right. So let's, uh, well, thanks so much for listening to our podcast. We have some um, social media that we'd love to have you interact with we have a facebook page and a twitter feed and a blog that comes out yep and the vegan radio website has a blog and lovey has made a uh, dedication to put out a blog i very promise very I promise. soon within the time this podcast is released. maybe before so the podcast is before released. the podcast That's wow. maybe tonight before you go to bed maybe wow <laughs> well this is exciting and um i want to promote something as some of you know who have been listening for a while, I have a vegan bus, and it's been on a back burger, back burger, <laughs> back burner for a while. But I'm I'm ready to bring it back, and um, part of my vision is that I want to have some artists help me render what it could look like. So if you are a vegan artist or you know a vegan artist, could you have them contact me through the Vegan Radio website, veganradio.com? And um, I will let them know what exactly I have in mind. It's kind of a top secret thing right now. <laughs> <laughs> so secret? So secret. We don't even know it. That Lovie, I can't even tell you. <laughs> Maybe I can. I think I know it. You I do? think you've told me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's it. And uh, stay tuned for the Ingrid Newkirk fade out song. <laughs> now.